0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 518 with Matthew Mabel.
1: Well, if you're growing a restaurant company, I think the most important things to understand are capability, opportunity, strategy, and an atmosphere of trust. Everybody that has to grow a company needs to understand those things. If you're not capable, you're not going to satisfy your guests. If there's no opportunity for your concept, you have to go back and find a concept that people want. If you don't have strategy, then you're random. Where are we going to open the next restaurant? Well, we'll see what the real estate broker brings in for a deal. And if you don't do it in an atmosphere of trust, then you have drama. And in my opinion, there's much more drama than is necessary in our industry. And wherever I go, I try and
0: wipe it out. Are you ready for it? Wouldn't it be great if you could play music directly from your Spotify account in your own restaurant without worrying about being pinched by the music police? Well, guess what? With Soundtrack Your Brand, you can. Unlike Spotify Premium, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack Your Brand is licensed for business use. And with SoundtrackYourBrand.com, you can import your favorite music from Spotify and share them directly with your guests. This deal typically goes for $26.99, but if you act now, you can get this deal. For $19.99 per month per location for life. Get on it. Again, that's Soundtrack Your or find the banner in the show notes. If you want new customers, more revenue, and a huge advantage over your competition, then listen up. My good friend and industry expert Nick Fosberg is doing something special for Restaurant Unstoppable listeners. He says most owners are wasting money on Facebook because our industry does not provide enough knowledge. And I gotta say, I agree. So Nick is going to take some of our listeners and guarantee them a minimum of $500 in sales for every $100 they spend on ads. If not, they don't pay. Yes, that means he's guaranteeing a 500% ROI in new customers in your door, that's pretty rad. If you want more info, go to ru500.net. That's R-U for Restaurant Unstoppable, 500.net. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Matthew Mabel. Matthew, my man, are you feeling unstoppable?
1: Every day. They
0: haven't stopped me yet. (laughs) Yes, that's what we like to hear. So Matthew Mabel founded Surrender, a leading Texas-based hospitality and management consulting firm in 1991. His life's work is advising successful restaurateurs to maximize harmony, freedom, revenue, profits, and unit growth. He encourages independent multi-unit restaurant company owners to be as good to themselves as they are to their guests. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive into who you are, how you got to where you are today, and what makes you you. But let's get this this motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us? I
1: think the two most important words in the English language are balance and surrender, and I live that every day.
0: Balance and surrender. So dive into that a little bit more. Well,
1: balance is balance in your life. It's not working all the time. It's not playing all the time. It's having an integrated life of the two. And I think it's very important for all of us to remember that. So we don't get to the end and look back and think, all I did was work Mm. and surrender, which is the name of my company. So it's a very important word to me is about not trying to do it all yourself, including other people in your process and your improvement and that, in my opinion, is the best way to move forward and what I do with my clients. Which is
0: something I'm really looking forward to diving into, this idea of not doing it yourself and collaborating and, and, and empowering. And I'm sure that some of that's going to come out in today's conversation. Absolutely. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I'm hoping it does. We'll bring it out. We'll bring it out. Um, so uh, I guess let's go to where it all started with you. How did you get into this industry?
1: How did I get in the industry? I was in the music business and I crossed over into the nightclub business. I have a confession to make. I was a 25-year-old nightclub owner, which it, it put the kids away before I say this. It's <laughs> a really, really fun thing to be doing when you're 25 years old, I and I highly recommend it, can- but not for my daughter.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I can only imagine, man. Uh, so 24, where were you? I was longer? here in Dallas. I in was Dallas? in England
1: in the music business, and I came to Texas. And I was first a treasurer of a company that developed some very high-profile restaurants and bars in Dallas in the early 80s when this place was booming and everyone thought it was going to become Rome or Paris. And then after that, I became uh, uh, went into a deal and developed some chain of nightclubs around Texas, uh, Fast & Cools, Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Lubbock. I was the operator and the partner. Uh, and every Friday, I would go to the airport and go to one of those with my head DJ and my dance coordinator and work the weekend and we'd somehow get up on Sunday morning and fly home. <laughs> that's a really great lifestyle when you're 25. Yeah, you can go to work at 10:30 and come home about three in the morning, watch a little TV, and go to sleep. Yeah, at there's
0: a short window in your life where that's sustainable. Exactly. Uh, so you started your career in the restaurant industry as a treasurer. Right. That's uncommon. That's crazy. And I was like,
1: <laughs> I was like 22 years old.
0: Yeah. So you, how'd you fall? How did you fall into that situation? There
1: is really no logical explanation for that. Uh, I think I have a natural talent for the business side, uh, even though most of what I work on today is the people side and the concept side. Uh, always understood business, understood. Uh, one of my friends had opened a bar. Uh, they spent $60,000, opened this bar. The problem was they only raised 40000 and nobody could figure out what was going on. So <laughs> I had a day job in music marketing, and I would go down at night and try to figure out what was going on. Uh, and long story short, the music marketing gig kind of petered out the bar took off huge and and generated four or five more restaurants and bars and i just uh stayed there and figured out the business piece and how to keep it going
0: so what's the the life of a restaurant treasurer look like this is a title i've never even come across. well you
1: know in those days we probably had five or six units i had maybe two or three bookkeepers in the office this is a long time ago i mean this is floppy disk days okay you'd sit and look at the computer (laughs) and every two minutes it would blink doing payroll with somebody's name and you'd think Wow, we can put our spreadsheet down and our pencils away.
0: The future Uh, looks bright. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, uh, so you transitioned to being a bar owner? Well, I I was
1: involved during the treasury years. I was involved in the concept because music business, my music piece was really strong. My entertainment piece was really strong from the music business. So ended up partnering with a couple of people and opening up nightclubs that were very, very musically focused as opposed to socially focused. And also we did a lot of uh, national live.
0: Okay. So take me through this transition of getting out of the, well, actually, should we? I kind of want to spend more time here. Uh, thinking back at this time, what was the, the the learning curve like? or Did you did you flounder at all during this time or was it kind of just like hit the we ground? We were too success? young to think about a learning curve. Okay. We just thought about <laughs> what we're going to do
1: next. And this is back uh, into the 80s at a time when the big club was a big thing. There were probably yeah, 10, 15 big clubs competing in Dallas. Uh, and we had a, what we thought was a unique uh, concept proposition, of course, we didn't call it that then we just wanted to focus on music, yeah, uh, and the learning curve was hugely steep, uh, but we were too young to realize that, okay, so which is a lesson I now can teach to a lot of my clients because a lot of what I do with them now is I smooth out their learning curve,
0: okay, so um take us through that learning curve like reflecting back like how did you How did you grow as a professional during those years? Well, I've always
1: had a natural talent for pulling a team together to accomplish a goal and giving people jobs they love, which is part of what I do with my clients today. I cannot tell you, Eric, where that came from. I didn't go to school for it. Uh, My dad was a Fortune 500 executive, so he was a button down really successful businessman. Maybe I got some from him. Yeah. But I think part of it's me and just understanding how to rally people around a cause and be really proud of what you're doing. And the the funny part is, here we are. We're literally now 30 years later, and that piece, the culture piece, is what I believe is the single most important thing for the next 20 years.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think we're definitely on the same page there. But you said you kind of just had it. You didn't know where it came from, you just had it. can't explain it. So looking back and reflecting on who you were then and who you are today, what exactly is it? What is the, What were these, these characteristics that you had, the so-called it, that you think enabled you to bring these teams together?
1: Well, uh, some people would say it's God-given talent. It might be natural talent. Obviously, you put three decades of experience on top of natural talent, and you've got a pretty powerful proposition, that's what I have today.
0: So what is that natural? I'm trying to like get some like specific. Get, I am very good at being <laughs> in a chaotic
1: situation yeah. and immediately breaking that down into strategy okay. how to go forward, figure out what pieces we need, how to get them and move forward.
0: So this is it just your ability to stay calm, clear minded. Uh, I am known to ever, be pretty calm. Do you ever get into like, like is uh anxiety something that you ever deal with or is that? Just Everybody a, deals with anxiety, okay. but, but it's a puzzle and it's, a, yeah.
1: it's a like to solve it. It's a, it's a board game. Okay. Uh, and, I think, uh, you know, we're working on a restaurant growth board game right now with my team, my creative team. Yeah, you mentioned that during the Because it is a game. And what I found out over 20 or 30 years is there's specific ways to play that game that are going to get you a good outcome.
0: Okay. So when did you transition out of the the bar uh, restaurant scene um, or, you know, being in the business to working with people who are in the business? So here's
1: one of the greatest moments of my life that I'm grateful for. I turned 30. Yeah. I reflected on the fact that my guest would always be 27 if I didn't start doing something else. (laughs) This did not look like a good recipe for a healthy, happy life going forward. So I was able to get out of the nightclub business. I knew that was not something I wanted to continue. Although some of my contemporaries are still doing it, which is shocking. Uh, And I was working on a couple of restaurant deals. I got out. I ran another company for someone else. And then I was working on a couple of restaurant deals and one day the phone rang and the phone rang and it was a company which is no longer in existence, Westbrook Hospitality, which is one of the top 10 hotel management companies in the country at that point. And they had a project in Detroit and they needed advice on it. Would I go see, would I go talk to them? Well, yes. Well, it turned out that they had a hundred hotels and every time their board met, the one issue they had in Detroit was all the board wanted to talk about. So three weeks later, I'm up there in Detroit. Uh that's my first consulting job. I thought, well, I got the time. I'm working on these restaurant deals. I'll go up there. It was 85 degrees there. It was 105 degrees here. Okay. There's a friend of mine, a girl that I used to date in Dallas, who would moved back to Detroit. Her family had restaurants in Detroit, so I had someone to hang out with. And I, that's when the light bulb went on for me, Eric, because I really love getting in, doing what I'm best at, and handing it back to ownership much more than operating. You know, because you're around restaurant people all the time, there's so many restaurant people that are wired for going down on the floor. It's Friday night, I'm going to the dining room. This is the greatest thing ever. I was never one of those people that wanted to go down on the floor every weekend. It became a little monotonous for me, and I really like the development, the growth of people, the planning of new units. The strategy piece much more than I like to operate my units.
0: Okay, so it sounds like you're it factor, and I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun, and no, I know good. we're going to ask this question analysis. later. Is is clarity on taking you know taking a step out of the situation, looking at the big picture, and just seeing the the weak legs and seeing right. the, the parts that are click. You know, here's definitely where you're strong. Here's where you're weak, and this is what you can do to fix those weak spots.
1: I don't really call it strong and weak. I call it here's what you've got, and here's what you. Can add okay. Uh, those are better it's a non-judgmental words. strategy. <laughs> absolutely, I like that. Uh, uh, yeah, seeing those pieces, absolutely.
0: So um, that's great. Uh, I'm also really kind of curious too because it sounds like you you were really successful with the, the nightclub scene. Uh, were you putting money away? Were you kind of saving up? Were you getting to a point where you you didn't have to be in that situation? The, like, the, the biggest
1: value the nightclub scene had for me was not the financial piece. It was when I started consulting. Uh, and advising people already knew who I was because I was a respected operator in this town okay our nightclubs had been gotten national recognition so I wasn't like they I had to knock on a door and they never heard of me and so to this day there are still people although they're older people that have tell me stories about things that they did in my club <laughs> uh, you know when we were all in our 20s yeah so that really helped me uh as far as notoriety, yeah, you like helped people are ready who I
0: was. You helped create a lot of great memories. I'm, that's for no sure. No question. So, I'm, I, one more thing before we kind of move forward into how you've been helping companies, reflecting back at these nightclubs, what is it that you that you think you guys did right that made you successful? You and your partners.
1: What we, go, if I could go back in the time machine, have you got a time machine? I wish. Yeah, uh, what I would see is our concept was very strong and our reputations were very strong.
0: Okay. So concept was strong, reputation was strong. Um, There's a certain amount of challenges that come with running the nightclub. No kidding. So uh, I mean, just attracting certain type of people. Uh, How did you combat that situation? How did you? I mean, was the culture? Look, reflecting back, would you say you had a good culture or?
1: Well, you mean as far as people that worked with us, or as far as our guests go?
0: Well, both.
1: Right. Everybody wanted to work with us. Okay. Why is that? Because we were hot, and we were. People that were known around town, and it was, and they could make a ton of money with us. Okay,
0: you're, you're mentioning some stuff that I think is, it's, you know, people wonder why restaurants some succeed, some f- fail. I think one of the, you know, obviously there's the systems, processes, procedures, protocols, culture, all that stuff, but I also think that it could be distilled down to the purest form. And I think you said it like, are we hot in the sense, not just like. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking like: right. Are we what's cool? Right. Uh, are we culturally looked at as what other people want to be a part of?
1: You know, I, that kind of jumps. If you don't mind me jumping ahead, I have a belief that every dining decision, Eric, is a self reflection. You hear people say, "Oh, I would never go there." Have you heard that?
0: Yeah. Do you absolutely. hear that among industry people? Because they don't want to be people? associated with certain crowds, right. certain demographics. And you,
1: industry people never say that because industry people go everywhere. We yeah. go to the craziest dive. We go to the most beautiful white <laughs> yeah. table the restaurant because yeah. we want to see what's out there and yeah. see what's new and what's happening. But the people that actually are guests in our restaurant, they make a decision every day about, is this place for me mm-hmm. or not?
0: Is this, and, are these my people? Right. And yeah. they
1: don't have as wide a berth as we do. And we have to learn that because sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, everybody's going to try us. Yeah. Everybody is not going to try us. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, this is kind of an awkward question, but... You know what make what made you cool? I mean, you're just, you're a cool dude, and that obviously well, naturally. I appreciate
1: your endorsement because <laughs> that's really
0: important. But like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, what was it that you think was cool? Like, In that case, it was
1: two things: it was three partners, it was the things we had done before, and the fact that there was a lot of uh, nightclub activity that was really about a place to meet people, and we made put the music first. Okay. So that right away that so, opened up a door to a guest that really was not satisfied with what was happening. Well, there. there's
0: something that's really interesting that things going on here. Music is a very culturally hip thing and culturally hip people are paying attention are paying attention are, are aligning because they want them to say, "What kind of music does represents me, right? What's cool?" Sure. So if you're playing cool music and people want to be associated with that cool, cool music, then they, you know, you're you're aligning your restaurant or your your club brand with other cool brands, mus- musicians at that time.
1: Absolutely. And then once again, jumping ahead to today, if you don't mind, my the my most miserable pet peeve of all time is walking into a restaurant where there's, there's no music because somebody forgot to turn it on. And we've all done that, that a cl- makes our restaurant okay crazy if you think I'm. <laughs> if i ever lose my cool it's probably about that okay but if you even think about the music choices that the restaurateurs that you experience and you talk to make those are huge huge choices in oh, terms yeah. of defining the brand the kind of a cue that it gives to the guest mm-hmm. it's very
0: very important i'm getting soundtrack your brand back on we're going to be talking about that the the influence that music has on people this, right like the so um, maybe any tips Music's you can give me. my first love. When I grew up, I wanted to manage <laughs> rock and roll bands. So any, I can talk about that Any all day. tips you can give me for questions in that interview, I'll take them. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else w- worth exploring during this time before we kind of bring it back to more how you're helping restaurant owners and operators kind of uh, succeed and flourish? No, I think we're in good shape. Okay, cool. So uh, you 30 years old. I can't be in my 20s my entire life. This is starting to get awkward. I'm going to start helping people, teaching them what I know to be true. Uh, let's start consulting. How have you, as a consultant, as somebody who helps other people scaled over time, like how, what have you learned over the time dedicating your life to helping others?
1: Well, I think that my big question that you talked about earlier is why aren't restaurants as tours as good to themselves as they are to their guests? Yes. Why is that? That, that is a totally... It doesn't make any sense. We work all day to make these guests happy, and a lot of times we're not nearly as happy as our guests. So that is my big question. And over the decades of working with restaurateurs and showing them how they can be happier, more successful, making their lives easier, uh, whether they want more units, more money, or more time off, I've really seen through all this research There is a pattern. There is a formula. And maybe 10 years ago, if you said to me, Matthew, is there a formula for what you do? I would have said, man, Eric,
0: everything's different. There's no formula. Now I know there's a formula. Okay. Um, So what is that formula?
1: Well, if you're growing a restaurant company, I think the most important things to understand are capability, opportunity, strategy, and an atmosphere of trust. Everybody that has to grow a company needs to understand those things. If you're not capable, you're not going to satisfy your guests. If there's no opportunity for your concept, you have to go back and find a concept that people want. If you don't have strategy, uh, then you're random. Where are we going to open the next restaurant? Well, we'll see what the real estate broker brings in for a deal. And if you don't do it in an atmosphere of trust, then you have drama. And in my opinion, there's much more drama than is necessary in our industry and wherever I go, I try and wipe it out.
0: All right. Let's, we gotta, we, we're just, just cruising at 30,000 feet. It's time to get in our helicopter and hover ab- okay. ab- over each one of these suckers. So capable. So when I think of capable, it's a matter of getting that experience, getting the knowledge to do the job. Is, is that accurate?
1: The dirty little secret is it's an execution business. If you can't execute every shift, every table, every day, every guest, then you've got some work to do.
0: Okay, so what, where do we start to get to the point where we can increase our odds of execution?
1: Well, I think what it is is it's the boring fundamentals. It's picking the right people. It's educating them properly. It's having a knowledge of, you know, the industry certainly in my lifetime, uh, at the beginning of my career, the industry was not highly professionalized, uh, and now it is. So pretty much we figured out how to do everything that we need to do in our restaurants uh, on a, On a service basis, on a technical basis, on a management basis. So it's bringing in those best practices for anything you can see in a restaurant. There is a best way of doing it, Mm -hmm. whether it's ordering, receiving, preparing, delivering, service, the whole thing. Writing a labor schedule. Nobody's sitting around thinking, well, I've got a blank piece of paper. How am I going to do this? We all know how to do that now.
0: So what's that process look like of implementing the best practices? Is there a way to go out and filter through these things? Is it a matter of just keeping yourself open to your employees and and suggestions to find ways to to just get better? Like, What do you suggest?
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, I saw a friend of mine who's a restaurateur here in Dallas at a party a few nights ago, and he's my icon for Capability because every restaurant that he's ever owned, they execute unbelievably well. And how does that happen? Well, he understands how to do do these pieces, but everybody's not him. If you get started because you're a great chef or because you're a great marketer or because you're a great uh, service person, you may not even know about these things. And you could build one, two, three very successful restaurants without having these fundamentals down based on the strength of what you're really good at. So you have to go back. If you want to keep growing and have the best life you can have and start implementing those pieces.
0: Okay. Um, So once you find out what you're really good at, what's that, what's it look like from there?
1: Well, I, you know, there's a low barrier to entry in our business. That's the good news and the bad news, uh, which means you can get started with one of those things I just mentioned. Maybe your food's fantastic. Maybe your relationship with your guests fantastic. Maybe your location's fantastic. Maybe you can market better than anyone else. Uh, So that only gets you so far. You have to add those other pieces if you want to have the ultimate success and the best life.
0: Okay, what are these other pieces? What do they look like? Well, if I'm a great chef, but I'm not so (laughs) hot at
1: service or choosing locations or marketing or management, I have to either learn those things or I have to surround myself with people that know those things. And a lot of what I do with these successful independent multi-unit companies is I bring in those pieces that they didn't have naturally. Mm-hmm. and integrate them.
0: So when you're bringing in these pieces, are you introducing people that maybe need to, that have a lane that don't have a, a place to, to put that lane down? And it kind of, are you like, are you a connector? Is that what's going on? Or More
1: and more, I'm doing it by bringing in people okay. and making sure that we don't kill what's working.
0: Okay, interesting. So um, what is your advice on, so it sounds like you are an advocate for collaboration in partnerships.
1: I'm not an advocate for collaboration uh, okay. in partnerships at first, I'm an advocate for bringing in talent okay. that covers your blind spots. Now, those people may rise to become partners over time. Okay, they may just get a great salary and a great bonus or a cash flow position, but I'm not so big on collaborative partnerships because they're easy to get into and they're really hard to get out of.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I I I tend to believe that there's more of an issue with uh if not necessarily with partnerships, but with your ability to be in a partnership. Right. (laughs) I think partnerships done right are a beautiful thing, but not everybody knows how to be in a partnership and there's certain ways to court each other, to respect each other, to, uh, communicate to, you know, you know, yeah. I, th- I think that's what where people go around.
1: Right. And I work with a lot of clients that they're not technically partnerships, but they're family businesses. Yeah. So that's a whole other layer. Well, that is
0: a partnership in a sense. It's yeah. not a, it's not a, a choice. Right. Yeah. But you're but with the people you grew up <laughs> yeah. with. Like I know I've know. Exactly. i got one
1: client, it's four brothers Yeah. and they were falling all over each other, uh, until we figured out, what they each what their talent was individually and mm-hmm. then they started to flourish
0: okay i've actually i've had people on the show where they're like i don't believe in partnerships but i would not be able to do this without my wife right and i'm like what the <laughs> hell do you think that is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you so know?
1: my recommendation is if you're considering a partnership work with the people for a long period of time before that happens
0: there's a gentleman from big red f i can't think of his name uh, but he said when you go into a partnership you got to ask yourself um can I marry this person? Do I right. see myself marrying this person? Because ultimately, that's what you're doing. You're getting into a business marriage with this person. Yeah. So if you can't answer like without like an instant yes, I'm in love with this person, then don't do it. <laughs> is do you agree with that? Or well, I will
1: that? agree with that, Eric. But what you don't know about me is I got divorced last year, so I'm oh. not sure that applies to the partnership. Okay. <laughs> Rough subject. Sorry. That's okay. Moving on. Um, I'm healing.
0: <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we tapped enough into opportunity before we talk about opportunities or anything else you can think of under the word, the, the realm of capability.
1: Capability is execution. It is outperforming the market in terms of a growth. That's really your, your measurement piece is your restaurant growing in guest count uh, out of proportion to the market. Okay. That's really the key indicator that tells you you're highly capable.
0: So when I think of opportunity, I think it kind of is like, I don't know, reflecting back on, on Malcolm Gladwell's uh, outliers, right. right? A lot of these people find themselves in great situations, great opportunities. They don't even realize it. It's just kind of how the, the dice, everything kind of falls in place. Um, but is there anything we can do to be proactive to, to find those opportunities, to be searching for these opportunities? Well,
1: when I think of opportunity, what I think about is a very simple question. Who wants this? I could have the greatest restaurant in the world, but if it's not something that a lot of people are interested in and I want to grow, I better go figure something else out. So when I look at my clients that have something unique that people really want, those are the people with opportunity. Because we can look at a map and we can say, if we are good enough to keep building these, we can put one there, 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 and there. There's
0: the opportunity for that. I'm not sure if I'm absorbing. Kind of go over and dumb it down for me.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you a couple of examples. I have a client here in Dallas called e Fratelli Pizza. And they have really mastered delivery of a very high quality pizza, high end pizza. They're not in the two for five ninety nine world. Okay, they know how to deliver it. They know how to get it where it needs to go, uh, and there's so much opportunity for them because they have a unique product that people want everywhere it goes. Mm -hmm. So they have unlimited opportunity. I have another client in in Houston, a good friend of mine, his name is Barry Katz. And he comes from a family, not Katz's deli family in New York, but a deli family for people that are named Katz that came (laughs) through Austin. And he's taken his family's deli and he's, made it into a 24-hour operation, which is a cross between a Jewish deli, a cheesecake factory, and I say this, and I'm sorry if anyone's offended, and a Friday's back when the food was good. (laughs) And it is so unique. There is nothing like it. And we see how much opportunity he has because you can put that in so many different locations uh, and people are going to love it. Now, contrasting, if, if you have a niche restaurant that you have a small following for, well, you're you're done. You're not going to keep going. If you have a a restaurant that's indistinguishable from other restaurants, you're probably also done. So really, once you get your capability down, if you want to continue to scale, you've got to look at whether you have something that other people want and if there's opportunity to scale it in areas where there's the demographics to support it.
0: Okay. So does that just come down to market research or is it, or we, should we be thinking from the very beginning, like what can I create that somebody wants? Like we should be thinking about this before we ever open a restaurant, no?
1: Well, if, depending on what your, your uh, aspirations are, there's an operator in this town who's still working on one restaurant and he's been in one restaurant for 30 years. He's happy as can be. He's highly successful. He's transitioned his restaurant from a culinary destination to a neighborhood destination. But most people uh, want to scale. Okay. They want to figure out, how can I have more? So if you want to have more, you've got to have two things. You've got to have something unique, and it's got to be something that's unique and people
0: want. trainable.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> the education piece is important.
0: I think we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, so how does when you talk about strategy, is that just a, a strategy to execute the scaling?
1: Right. Strategy is how I get from where I am today to where I'm going. Okay. So it's good for a growing restaurant company to have some areas of strategic focus that are unique to their company. What are they really working on every day to get to whatever the next piece is? I have one client that's at 20 units wants to get to 30. I have one client that's at five and is getting to 12. Well, how are we gonna get there? What are the things that we're gonna focus on? What's our strategy? And everyone's different, but if you don't have a strategy, you're gonna be random. Mm -hmm. And if you're random, you're going to wake up one morning and you're not going to be where you want to be.
0: You have to be intentional. You have to show up every day working towards something. Absolutely. You can't just be reacting in your business every day.
1: Right. And just like we say, execution is every table, every guest, every shift, every day. Strategy becomes every meeting, every decision every day
0: Mm. so that you stay the course. Okay. So let's dive into trust. Okay. Uh, Why is trust so crucial? Well, it's
1: important to me. Uh, it's not important to some other people. Some people don't mind the drama. Some people actually like the drama. I suggest that if they like drama, that they stream it and they don't worry about it in their <laughs> restaurants. What do you mean by drama? I want to see about? people in a healthy work environment where there's, there's trust, there's collaboration, there's excitement, there's enthusiasm. People are not worried that there's backstabbing or gossip or that they might not keep their jobs unless they do this or that or the other thing that they don't believe in. And, the way that I see that, Eric, because I go into restaurant companies and nobody knows who I am. Mm-hmm. And first, of course, I go into the restaurants before they know who I am, just so I can get a, a feel of what's going on with the guests, because once they do know who I am, it's going to be different. But then there comes a time where the owner brings me to a meeting and introduces me to everybody. And, and then I sit, start sitting down with some of the people that work in the companies where there's a high degree of trust. All of a sudden, everybody wants to talk about their ideas and how to make it better and what's great about this company. Where there's a low level of trust, everybody wants to know, if I tell you this, are you going to tell my boss? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable in sharing information. Mm -hmm. Well, who wants to work in a company where you can't share information and arrive at solutions? But there's a lot of companies out there where there's not a high level of trust. It's getting a little bit harder to sustain with today's workforce, but there's still places where people are not cherished, respected, and developed and that has worked for them uh, financially, so they don't change it. That disappoints me because I personally don't want anybody to work in that environment.
0: I agree, Uh, absolutely. But how do we get to that that place of trust?
1: Well, every restaurant company is a reflection of its owner. And one of my clients said to another one of my clients, you know, when you work with Matthew, you think you're working on your company, but you're really working on yourself. Because when you are a founder of a restaurant, and you have subsequent restaurants every every decision comes back to you in one two or three degrees of separation so the person you are is reflected in those decisions and builds your culture
0: yeah man i love that you just said that because you know when i when i speak to people like you who have dedicated their life to helping other people in the restaurant industry with a successful track record at doing it and uh, you reinforce the Beliefs that I have, I just get super excited because I'm always saying, behind every great restaurant, is a great person, and right. you must be before you can do it. It's you can't be a great restaurant tour without becoming a great person first. I I believe that. Do you believe that?
1: I believe that, and you can become a better person. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not locked into who you are. Exactly. You, know, you, you get can't hopefully change. you're always getting better.
0: Absolutely, and that's really what I'm trying to do with the show is to share the values of these people to help you, who's listening to this right now, to have these values to have to work on you to become what you need to become to do. Do an incredible job. Well, we're so, doing the same thing, yes yeah, in a different way. Yeah. Um, okay. So I kind of want to uh, dive into maybe some like uh, some cases. Um, you've already kind of shared a few examples with us, but what you do is you work with multi-million-dollar companies or a uh, companies worth multi, multi-tens of millions of, of dollars, and you basically are coming into these situations where they've scaled something pretty amazing, and they're they're doing well but they don't have control. They've right. kind of plateaued and they hit this and you come in, you have this clarity and you say, ding, 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 ding and let's uh, do these things better. As, as that, the, the, Are those the words you say? Yeah, what they,
1: what they want is they either want more restaurants, more money or more free time and some people want all three.
0: Yeah, so when you come into, uh, I know not every situation is exactly the same, but I'm sure you see some Uh, repeat offenders or whatever Uh, some some more common than others Uh, so take us through a couple of these examples some of these these really these common things that you you see often that you can share with my listeners to help be aware of and to uh, avoid getting into that situation
1: well the first thing you need to know is most of my clients are by the time I sit down with them they're already making more money than they ever thought they'd make in their entire life yeah so they've checked that box and now they're looking at what's next and what's next for them is either more restaurants because that's how they're driven, uh, or they wanna find a way to have a more enjoyable life now and not wait to sell it and retire when the time comes. And at each different stage of growth, it comes down to four categories. All my research points to that, and they're branding, culture, strategy, and operations. So we kinda dissect that way. Branding, culture, strategy, and operations. Whether you're uh, at three units, 10 units, or 20 units, there's different things about that. And at three or four units, Eric, what I call it is the adrenaline and espresso years. You've been up, man. You have not slept much. You have worked hard. You've had this incredible success. You might uh, self-deprecate and say, I'm just a dummy that got lucky because you don't have the whole package yet. But the truth is what you do have, the talents you have are strong enough to become the American dream where you started out. Maybe you were a waiter or a manager in another company uh, and you started your own business and now you're sitting on three or four units. Okay. So we go back and we look at how they've defined their brand at that point, because really one other thing that I talk about is one of the things that we've all learned. uh, We're not in the restaurant business. We're in the branding business. And how the guest responds to our restaurant is very much about how we brand it and how it can go forward and survive. And with tough competition is going to be branding. So we look at that. We look at what's the brand you've created. Is it the right? Is it communicated the right way? And how can we tweak it?
0: So when you're trying to figure this out, if that brand is communicated the right way, where do you start? Are you starting with the person behind the brand and what they are, what their values are? Yeah, well, are? a lot
1: of times I hear, I'm the brand. Don't worry, we don't have to talk about the brand. I'm the brand,
0: which may be true. <laughs> but how but do you're not going to be the that? brand of 10 units. You're yeah. not going to
1: have a brand to 10 units. Okay. So with the branding, it's, it's kind of a simple process, uh, but it takes a long time. It's kind of like a sauce reduction. Because they start telling me what the brand is and we try and distill it down to the essence and we create a branding guide that tells us what the brand is and what the brand is not and that guides a lot of decisions going forward about the restaurants and the marketing of the restaurants.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, so we we covered branding. You also mentioned culture, strategy, and operations. We kind of talked about strategy a little bit earlier. So culture and operations... When I think of culture and operations, I kind of think of the yin and the yang. Right. Um, you can be super successful with or you can be relatively successful with being really good at one of those two things. Uh, but you can be extremely successful no if kidding. you find the the balance right. of the yin and the yang. Right. So is that a good explanation? or? So, what do yeah, you think I think
1: that's true because uh, oh, once again, I can think of a client that has a, a good culture. He also told me I'm the culture. So you don't have to worry about culture, but he wanted to go from four <laughs> to 12. Uh, and he had four great restaurants. Once again, great cash flow, guests loved him. Uh, but the culture, you know, what we're learning about the culture going forward is it's one of the two most important pieces going forward for two reasons. Uh, one is it differentiates us. And two is it attracts both guests and workforce. And attracting workforce is probably one of the biggest challenges in our industry going forward, finding people to work with us. So, you know, with this generation of worker, it's very healthy because you'll sit down on a job interview and they'll ask you, uh, so what does your company do for the community? Now, we never heard that question 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> we heard, how much do I make and when do I start? So it's super important to build a rich culture and create a cause around your restaurant to rally your guests and your employees
0: yeah and I think what's happening uh, you know if when you think of what you need to share with us it's people want to be associated with cool. We talked about it earlier. And what's cool now is actually having values, right? Which right. is a really good thing. I, I'm, I'm excited to be a millennial. It's an evolution. I'm proud of, to be a, a millennial. It's a societal evolution. <laughs> it's healthy, no yeah. question. You know, and, and it's not enough to provide a paycheck anymore because those are the most basic right. needs on that hierarchy of needs. Everybody's got the same money. Yeah, like people want to know that they're showing up. They can make that paycheck anywhere. They wanna know that the cause, the, the mission of the restaurant they're working for is something that they can align themselves with, that, I, that they can identify with, because it's, and I hate to say it, it's because it's cool. Right, so um, I have
1: one client, has eight restaurants, and we worked on, we sat down and worked on culture, and I said, you know, we need to make these restaurants into a cause for your worker, and he looked at me like, Kind of, you know, when a dog a kind of his head. <laughs> because you mean we need to find a charity to give to? No, we have to have something to stand for, so that yes. when we unlock the doors Hire in the morning, purpose. we're coming to work to do this. Yes. Uh, and more and more restaurateurs are learning that, and some veteran restaurateurs that never had to do that in the past are having to play catch up.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's it's definitely something that's changed. I think it, it's kind of writing uh, off this this start with why. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that the, the the power of story and like you know all these things are coming out. We're learning more about the mind and what makes people tick and what gets people behind things. Uh, and all this information is out there. Like people are, are with audiobooks, right? The like people like are learning this stuff, and all these people to, to have that unique selling proposition to stand out in the market are finding these causes to rally behind to attract onto themselves. No question, incredible people. It's a really interesting time. Um, so, th- th- here's one thing. Uh, I don't know if we are on the same page with this one and maybe this will be a good little debate before we go on. Uh, How do I, how do I deliver it though? So, uh, what's culture you believe culture can be scaled and I do too, to a certain degree, but how far can it get scaled before it gets to the point where it starts just kind of getting blah. Is there a point where like you, you can get to a certain, can you get big and have that same culture? Absolutely. How? Well, I can't give Will my secret, <laughs> but there is a way to systematize
1: culture. Okay. And, and uh, one of my clients uses the word inculcate, which is a great word. You might have to look it up. Uh, there is a way to systemize culture because uh, what you talk about uh, determines your culture. Wait,
0: before you go further, I got to I gotta find this word. Uh, spell it for me inculcate. real quick. Inculcate. Inculcate.
1: Inculcate. I-N-C-U-L-C-A-T-E.
0: Say it one more time. I'm sorry. Inculcate. Slower. I-N. Yeah.
1: I'm feeling like i want the spelling to be C U L. Yep. C A T E. Got it. So it's funny you bring that up, Eric, because I just wrote something about that for a blog post, and the language is so important. The language. Can I read the
0: definition? Oh or yeah, okay? sure. Okay. Uh, instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. There you go. Okay.
1: Now uh, Scrabble players out there? Don't forget that okay.
0: one. <laughs> Dive into that.
1: So the language you use. Is really important that if you have a culture and you don't live it, you're in some serious trouble with your guests and your employees.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It can't just be something that you invent <laughs> for the sake of having something that sounds really cool on paper, so you can get that brand that, that people will get behind. You have to live it every day. It has to be genuine. Exactly. It has to so be how offensive. do you live
1: it every day? It has to be you, real. Language. What is the language that you use? Uh, how do you talk about it? How often do you reference it with the people that work in your restaurant every day? Who do you ask? Uh, you ask a simple, uh, one simple question: What did you do today to represent the culture? Now, in a healthy environment where there's a great culture, everybody in the restaurant could give you three stories. In an environment where it's not so healthy, they're going, uh, 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 yeah. That's how you measure. Now you can do that on a big scale. It's not saying it's easy, but absolutely you can do it.
0: So you, so here's where I kind of, where I want to challenge the culture uh, on a big scale because I believe that culture. Uh, really comes down to relationships. Uh, so relationships are only really at a, their best on small scale because we as humans can only handle so many relationships well. Do you agree with that statement?
1: Boy, I've really got to deconstruct that one for you. I think obviously it's easier to have a richer culture in a single unit restaurant than in a multi-unit restaurant or a big company. But... It can still work. It can work. And every big restaurant company has someone working on this right now. Yeah. It's I that think, important. I
0: think it's a question of we know that as you as you scale, right. you are ultimately going to lose a little bit of what makes you you. But the, I think the question is where is the balance? How how big are we willing to get to, to where we can still hang on to enough of what that that brand is, that culture Absolutely. Is.
1: That reminds me. I had a... A restaurateur I know was really scared. He was scaling pretty quickly. He was really scared that one day he would get off the plane and go to a new unit. And it would open and he'd look around and he goes, this isn't us. What happened? Uh, So we really talked about how to systematize the culture and inculcate the people uh, in his company. And in this process, I asked him, I said, hey, uh, what percentage of your profit do you think is attributable to culture? And he said, I don't know. So we sat down and we talked about if the culture went away, what would be left? And we realized that a hundred percent of their profit was attributable to culture. And that was a real light bulb moment for me Mm -hmm. because I never really thought about it that way. And your listeners are thinking right now, uh, hopefully the light bulb is going on for them because if you don't have a, a vibrant culture that your guests and your workforce can relate to, you don't have anything. So if you're not working on it after you listen to the podcast, get started yeah it's very important
0: yeah man absolutely um i think the only other thing i the only other question i have before we move to the speed round is w- at what rate should we is there like a, a a magic speed at which we should grow like a safe speed at which like what determines our that's growth?
1: a good question and let me talk about operations a little bit we kind of glossed over okay. that but obviously that's important yeah, yeah. you know I, just about every situation i go into they look at me and they go you've probably never seen anything like this before. And of course the truth is, I've seen everything (laughs) before. So we have companies where no one's taken inventory for five years. We have companies that they get the financial statement and they put them in the drawer. (coughs) We have companies that haven't done purchasing properly. And during this process of getting ready for growth, which is often where we start, preparing for the next stage of growth, we go top to bottom. And it's amazing what you can produce. Yeah, and typically we drop another two to three points to the bottom line, just by going through and doing it the right way. And that's why operations is super important.
0: So you're talking about just getting the systems, processes, procedures, all these things re- removed off your shoulders, so you're not responsible, but the you, your business isn't a people-dependent business, it's a, a system-dependent business.
1: Right, and bringing in best practices, best practices from the industry, without killing what's working. So the guest doesn't think, oh man, this restaurant is now operated like a company. The guest feels great. They actually get better service and they get more variety of items to choose from. But behind the scenes, it's run the way every great restaurant company in America is run.
0: So a lot of people uh, are slow to adopt certain technologies and implement services and tools to uh, systematize their business because they can't justify the cost. How do you feel about where like how do you justify where how do you prioritize where to start investing dollars to remove yourself from the day-to-day?
1: Well, I have a core belief that management pays for itself. And if it's not paying for itself, you have the wrong management. So it's not actually a cost when all is said and done.
0: So when you're saying management, you're talking about the systems that are managing your business or the actual people? Both. Okay.
1: Both. So if if you're gonna drop three points to the bottom line, which is huge, you can afford a lot of new systems and new people Mm -hmm. and if you don't have those systems and new people as you start building units you get more of what you don't want so instead we stop we take a period of time six months a year 18 months to get everything right before the expansion units Mm -hmm. come online and we open the expansion units with all those advantages
0: yeah uh i love that way of looking at it uh the other thing i've heard is that you use uh time as what determines whether or not I can invest that. If I invest in this thing, then it's gonna cost me fifty dollars a month, and I spend five hours a month doing that thing that I don't have to worry about anymore. What's my time worth?
1: Boy, that's a great question. And that is freedom. Yeah. How much would you pay for
0: freedom? Yeah, it's like, or how? <laughs> if I if I take that fifty dollars a month, right? Like, what can I redirect my five hours a month to? to focus on to create a, a, a better channel of, of revenue or a new channel Absolutely. of revenue. Absolutely, Be more creative. Exa- you you got to free yourself up to, to you know, maybe start working on catering or maybe start developing the online ordering process or sure. you got to free yourself up so you can get that, that cash flow. Do um, you want to reflect on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's two, it's two pronged. One, all these different revenue streams you can focus on when you've got a highly competent team around you that loves you and can keep you going. Yeah. That's one benefit it increases your net worth makes your current and your future units more valuable, gives you more opportunity. Plus, what's the point of being so successful if you can't enjoy it? We talk about how the workforce wants meaning. And what I've also found, and I've seen a big change in this maybe in the last 10 years, where my clients are increasingly interested in, hey, what can I do now? Not when I sell it and I retire, but what can I do now? So I had one client that came to me and said, you know, I bought a house in Maui. I said, great. He said, well, I don't have time to go. So we spent a year building his company so that he could go. Mm-hmm. And a year later, he went for a month. And we called him, but he didn't answer. <laughs> and we started to wonder, is he alive? Is he reading the emails? Well, it turned out he was watching the numbers on his phone. Uh, <laughs> but he came back after a month, and everything was great. And I have another client that came to me and said, you know, I'm just going to work like a dog for the next 10 years, and then I'm going to enjoy it. And we were having a beer. And I looked at him, and I said, we need to fix that. Yeah. You know, there's some kind of false... Badge of honor about I'm so busy and this is so hard. Yeah. uh, That has been accumulated through, you know, hundreds of years of Puritan ethic. And now we're transitioning to a new time where if you're talented enough to create success, people are thinking, hey,
0: I want to enjoy this yeah. now. You know, I agree with you 100%, but I think like everything, there's polar opposites, right? And you're you're describing a polar opposite where there's that badge of honor of being in the restaurant all the time. I'm miserable, but it makes me so happy. This is a horrible business, but <laughs> yeah. it's all I know. Yeah, but I'm I'm you know, still in business and everybody loves me. And is that enough? But I don't know, is it, is it sustainable? Probably not. But then on the opposite polar side of that, you have people that have that badge of honor that, I'm never in my business. I don't have to be there. The system's run it all. And I, I live on the beach. Right. I don't,
1: I don't know if I necessarily... Well, that's where we talk about balance. We have to start yeah. back. I don't know a lot of people that wanted to live on the beach the whole time because they are, uh, by nature, entrepreneurs that want to keep growing. Yeah. But they want to build, but they may not be one of the people doing the heavy lifting. And if yeah. they want to leave for a couple of months, or if they want to go away, take more vacations, or if they want to do charity work... Or if they want to play with their kids or their grandkids. I talked to a restaurant the other day, hugely successful. He said, I'm tired. of the summer and I'm, my kids are sailing on the lake and I'm at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's not good. You know, kids are going to grow up and they're going to be gone. So I don't see so, a lot of people saying, just get me out of here. Because those people probably tend to sell. Yeah. I see more people saying, I want to work. X number of months a year or X number of hours a week. And yeah. there may be times when I have a, grow, a real work spurt because we're opening a new unit, we're developing a new concept, but I didn't work this hard to become this successful to keep working this hard.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And I think the the, the key word again is that balance of, you know, creating the situation where you can Leave If you want to go to a, a wedding or God forbid, a funeral, uh, like that, you're not resenting your business because it, it controls you, but you should ultimately want to be there. That's why we got into the business in the first place, right? Because we, we love the work. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just kind of, yeah.
1: but you know, one thing you talked about is new revenue streams, new ideas, new creativity. Yeah. Nobody's more creative than somebody that gets away for a month and comes back. Yeah. Nobody sees more details that they miss. It's true. So I don't see people running away, but I see how actually it helps them become more successful by having
0: more perspective. Cool. Anything we haven't discussed up to this point, time is flying. I can't believe we're already at over 50 minutes of recording time.
1: There's tons. We could talk all day. That wouldn't be
0: practical. I think you might be a repeat guest on the show if you're okay with that. I'm happy to do (laughs) that. I've got lots of stories. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back Finally, a simple, affordable, and legal way to share the music that best represents your brand. It's called Soundtrack Your Brand. Get access to soundtracks tailored for any business. Side note, studies have shown that playing the right music can impact your sales. Do you have questions about what that right music is? Soundtrack Your Brand can help you there too. Here's a fun fact. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening to this already have a Spotify account. Well, you can take playlists from your account and import them directly into into soundtrack and my guests are always saying on the show that their restaurants are an extension of their own personal brand well so isn't your music now you can marry these things together legally unlike spotify youtube or apple music soundtrack your brand is licensed for business use skip the hassle of ascap and bmi because with soundtrack your brand it's already included you can even schedule music for the whole week and adapt the music for each day part. Typically, this deal goes for $26.99 per month, but if you act now before the end of August, you can get this deal for $19.99 per location per month for life. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. I've got a serious question for all the owners and operators looking to increase revenue and get more new paying customers in the door. Here it is. How many times would you trade a $100 bill to receive $500 back? as many times as you could, right? That's a no-brainer. Well, here's the deal. Nick Fosberg, who's written one of the best marketing books for bars and restaurants, who's also been a guest on this podcast a number of times now, reached out to me and wants to run an experiment with my listeners. Nick is looking for a small handful of owners who have a Facebook page, and he wants to set up a promotion for them. But get this, he wants to guarantee them $500 in sales for every $100 they invest in what he is calling his VO. OP promotion. If he fails to do this, you don't pay a penny. That's the experiment. And just recently, he ran the same experiment to help the owner of Carl and Chell's Grillhouse get a 282 offers redeemed in just two weeks with net sales of $14,552. If you're interested in getting more information, go to ru500.net. That's R-U for Restaurant Unstoppable 500.net or click the link in the show notes for more information. We're back. And the first question I have for you, Matthew, is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success.
1: Wow. That talk about uh, sauce reduction. Sauce uh, reduction. I think that the, the biggest piece that I have is being able to get into a chaotic situation and immediately slice and dice it so that there's a strategy to go forward that changes things quickly.
0: I think I called that clarity earlier. Yes, that's a good word. Good <laughs> I love word. It. Uh What is your biggest weakness?
1: My biggest weakness is I'm more strategic than tactical so that I always have tactical people
0: around me. Okay. Uh, what is the difference between str- strategy and tactical?
1: Strategy. Well, here's a story. Let's say let's go to the Pentagon in our minds and when the armies uh, and the military military's thinking about attacking your country, there's generals, the strategy generals come in and talk about here's where we're going to go. Uh, the tactical generals come back and say I need this many aircraft, I need this many jeeps, I need this many bombs, I need so this it's many like, So it's
0: logistics. Right. Okay. So a lot
1: of the people that I work with are very good at tactics and they can move my strategy forward. Got you.
0: What's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process?
1: Well, when I'm meeting somebody new that I might work with, yes, I always just want their vision of where they want to go because okay. I need to figure out how to get them there.
0: Or if they're working with you, right? are we going to the same place? Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what's a current challenge?
1: A current challenge? Uh, that's a really good question. I think a current challenge is making sure that everybody understands two things. One, going forward, it's all about culture and uniqueness. And number two, and this is a tactical issue, is real estate. Real estate is a huge challenge for my clients. It is still a landlord's market. It will not always be a landlord's market. And we're looking at leases at rental rates that we couldn't have imagined 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. Retail's going away. Real estate, thanks restaurants are the answer, and I think that's going to continue you, for another five to seven years, and then it's going to. Yeah,
0: shift. you're um touching on something really key right now. Uh, nothing is working in real estate other than restaurants because everything has gone to online. Uh, so these these developers are they have buku bucks behind them, and they're they're the head talent basically, and wanting this one person to go through and open like five restaurants in two years right? to fill this. And, and that's not sustainable.
1: If you look at the development, and I have a friend that tells a funny story. He goes, looks at the development and he goes, well, where's the retailers? Yeah. And they look at him and they go, there are no retailers. Yeah. So maybe 10 years ago, they would have had 10 retailers in five restaurants. And then they had, uh, Seven retailers and eight restaurants. And now they want 15 restaurants. And like one retailer. People are not hungrier than they used to be. (laughs) So that we don't really see how that's going to work.
0: But people are forward. busier than they used to be, that's true. which means that there is a, a need up for convenience, and that's the whole seemingly. delivery conversation too, yeah. which is
1: a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah, but still, there's a lot of restaurants out there. Like this, this conversation we're having stems off of a whole, like branches a whole new like a different vertical of questions or Absolutely. topics we can talk about. Maybe that's what we talk about when you come back on the show. Sure. Um, Oh man, but I want to talk about it
1: now. I know. Let's talk about delivery. Uh, uh. Let's talk about. I mean, there's a lot of things we're all having to work on as far as challenges going forward. Yeah.
0: One one last thought that I want to share because because I agree with you that there's I think there's going to be a special t- the, the the world of specialists is going to start to resurge again. Right. Where uh, basically you have all these restaurants with not enough talent, um, but people still want that that scratch concept of like doing everything organically, uh, sustainably, but you can't do it because you can't train these people fast enough because there's not enough people out there to be able to do it. So what you're going to see again is a market. Like what happened in like the the thirties and like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, where somebody was like, I just do pasta. Right. And I'm like the pasta guy in town and I sell all my pasta to the restaurants because that's what people want. Craft, craft food or like bread or so you, I don't know. I I really do think there's going to be that, that resurgence and that's, what's going to go into a lot of these retails. Because they're like, or butchers or salamis or salamists, right? Uh, because of that craftness, I don't know. Do have you heard that before? I,
1: I, I see a, some of that coming, which is to me, it's more uh, an outbreak of the foodie trend. You know, we have 340 yeah. Americans who self-identify as foodies, so I see that more. But I haven't really thought about it as a workforce development issue. And I spend a lot of time on workforce development issues, so I'm going to have to think that one through.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I. I've, I have a lot of conversations off off recording with people, and these are the, the things we talk yeah, about, but that's uh, cool. I should probably record more of them. Uh, anyway, uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to uh, act, I guess. Well, I
1: would talk about something to reflect on, that I believe that every restaurateur has the right to succeed, but every restaurant doesn't. And when I say that, people, they kind of drop their jaw. They don't really understand what that means. And what I talk about is, you know, if you have a restaurant, and listen, we've all had failures. Uh, uh, we rented out one of our buildings once to a tenant and they had trouble and uh, we came in cause they couldn't pay the rent. And my, my, they said to us, you know, uh, we've never had a, a failure before. We don't know what to do. And my partner said to them, uh, our, our tenant, you know, if we knew you'd never had a failure, we wouldn't have rented you the building in the first place. <laughs> so we've all learned from failure yeah. and we have this kind of odd thing going on. I see out there where when restaurants don't work, the restaurant blames everybody else. It's because the public didn't support them or the city didn't do this or the the so-called restaurant bubble that I don't really believe in. And and the truth is just because you open a restaurant and you have food that you like and service that you like does not guarantee you the right to succeed. It gives you the right to learn. And if you learn and if you have the misfortune of that one not working – and you don't give up, you go on to the next one. Mm. I had the very refreshing experience of a pretty high-profile restaurant in Dallas. Very well-known chef, didn't make it. His other restaurants do great. Uh, And there was a whole big thing on Facebook, and I posted the reason this restaurant did not make it was because of the real estate they chose. And the owner liked that. On Facebook. And they, they <laughs> said, it wasn't yeah. on him. He said, you're right. No, no. He said, you're right. We made a bad real mm-hmm. estate decision. We're not going to do that next time. Mm-hmm. So when every restaurant tour has the right to succeed, everybody has the right to get better and learn. Yeah. But every restaurant is just plain not going to work. And if yours doesn't work, I'm sorry. I've been there. Take your licks. Take the responsibility. <laughs> you are the master of your own destiny. And move on and do something better next time.
0: I got you. Uh, share one Unstandard service or one uncommon standard of service you teach your clients, I guess, because you don't have employees, you have clients. So what are you teaching them?
1: Wow. There's so many things. I think that what I teach them is not to assume that the restaurant business is going to be so hard just because it has to be. We talked about that stereotypical experience. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I never can go home. Oh, I love this business, but it hates me. I want to take that away from people because I do believe what I said just a minute ago, you are the creator of your own future. You are the master of your own destiny, which is a fantastic place to be. Uh, So we try and take all the suppositions about negativity and difficulty off the table and just figure out how to make it work for people.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? My
1: favorite book is the power of now. Mm. And that's because, it's about it's what you're talking about. It's about yeah. not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future. Uh, if you have something you
0: don't like, change it or get away from yeah, it. And you have the power to make that decision right now to, to do whatever it might be to get you where you want to be. It might be the path of more resistance, but ultimately it, it pays off. Right.
1: And for, if you're in the business, I know we've all read the Danny Meyer book twice in three languages. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charlie Trotter has a great book, Charlie Trotter on Service, which, mm-hmm. which is probably 10 or 15 years old uh, and I've used it. Uh, and even though that restaurant is now gone in Chicago, the way they did things will really, really uh, inspire you about what you can do.
0: Awesome. And you have a book coming out. Is it too soon? to? It's too soon. It's too soon to talk about that. (laughs) Okay. Do I have to edit this out or can I I at least tease? You can tease. Okay, cool. Uh, Share an online resource or tool that you use to either stay relevant, to stay knowledgeable, or that you leverage to be more efficient.
1: Boy, that's a tough one. Um, You know, one thing we have with the clients is there's so many great tools that they can use now. That was technology that was only available to the big companies a few years ago, whether it's scheduling, whether it's catering, whether it's tracking your servers, So those are exciting. And I think, Eric, what we're about to see is what we really need, is we need to see those tools converge into one place. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing some products come out that that I think about that a little bit more than uh, other tools. And of course, it wouldn't be uh, fair of me not to remind everybody that my website Surrender.biz, B-I-Z, is a great tool for restaurant chores because we've got tons of articles, blog posts, and video up there if people want to know more about what I'm thinking.
0: Okay, so the next question maybe uh, leads on to what you're hinting with like all, this all-in-one these all-in-one operations. Uh, what is one technology you are maybe suggesting your clients adopt in their restaurants that will have a huge influence on operations, productivity, profitability, efficiency? Well, that's things that I talked about, a scheduling
1: tool. A uh, catering tool, a PDR tool, something that slices and dices your POS information. I don't really have one because every situation is different, uh, but they're all affordable and they all are really, really helpful.
0: Give me two extreme situations that you like a, a fine dining, full service restaurant. Okay. What would you recommend for that situation?
1: I think the biggest thing for a fine dining, full service restaurant that has PDR is you know, automating that whole process so that when Say PDR private dining rooms, okay. so that when you land on the website, uh, you can see, you can really book, uh, your whole event without talking to somebody. Now that sounds crazy because there are private dining coordinators that have made their whole living about booking events, but people don't want to talk to people anymore. They want to go online and do it.
0: Yeah. So you're talking about the, the triple seats of the world, the cateries, the, exactly. uh, there's another one gather. Yeah. Um, of those three, is there one that you think? Oh, uh, I'm not really in the endorsement business. Okay, it's, it's more of the but those recommendation are all good business. products. Good products. Okay. <laughs> um. So, what if it was a fast casual concept? Fast casual. You what know, you, in fast
1: casual, you're really looking at technology. The biggest technology piece is now we're starting to move over to on-screen ordering, uh, and there's a, and one of my clients just opened with a total on-screen order, ordering in a no-cash restaurant.
0: So, You're basically talking about like a kiosk,
1: right? Okay, and Uh, That's also evolving fast. There's some great products out there that allow you to customize your order. Obviously, a younger guest is more used to that than an older guest, Uh, but there's some great things. And in certain fast casuals that are more item-based, they work great.
0: Mm. No recommendations. Not going there. Okay. I know that Revel has one um, of the the tools that are recommended on the show. I know Revel's kind of, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, seems to be a leader in that field. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Okay. But there's, there's quite a few options.
0: Okay, cool. And I'm just going based off of what my guests have been telling me. Right. Um, and I know I've noticed too that, uh, the, uh, the, uh, what, gas station or what's the word I'm looking for? Like the convenience store. These can conv- like super convenience stores are also moving in that direction. I can't remember what, it, what it was when I was driving through Charlottesville, uh, what was it called? The uh, WOO WOO or WAWA WAWA? Uh-huh. Yeah, like right. it's like that. Exactly what you're talking about. It's all automated. You walk up and you you place an order and then they call it a number and it's like, why isn't this in New Hampshire yet? Uh- <laughs> hey, we've got we've got
1: to 7-Eleven delivery in Dallas. It's crazy. Oh, really? You can get an app and they'll bring you your hot dog. Oh man, and your cookies. That's I don't know who does that, but. If they're doing it, everyone's doing it. I'm just
0: geeking out now, so we should probably move forward. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? Well, I'm going to try to be. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants, or your past restaurants, or your your business, your consultancy uh, business is would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of advice, three things you know to be true about the good of humanity and for your legacy. What were those three pieces? Of
1: well, advice? those three pieces would be, boy, that would be a sad day. Yeah. The three pieces would be what I talked about earlier. Be as good to yourself as you are to your guest, number one. Uh, number two is no barriers. No, we can't because of this or no, that would never work in the industry. And then the third piece is how everything you do is reflected into your organization and if you want to change your organization change yourself
0: i love it uh great stuff today Thanks. matthew this thank you fun. it was fun thank you for welcoming me into your home uh, to pleasure. record this i love doing this the stuff on the road you really get to connect with the guests yeah, it's on good to be together with you and not just digital it, it, absolutely um so who do you respect and admire uh somebody you think i should get on the show as a guest mentor
1: wow i've got to really work on that one
0: there's so many people in our community in Texas that would be great for you. I'm definitely coming back. I, do, I have, it's overwhelming. The, how many people For are those here? of you
1: who know, I grew up uh, on a coast and a lot of people think of us as flyover country and I ended up living my whole adult life in Texas. And first of all, we got a lot of people down here, a lot. And that creates a lot of choices, a lot of activity, yeah. a lot of interesting things to do. And it's very rich here, but as far as just one, I'm gonna have to really put a list together for you. All right,
0: I'll take a list. I'll take a list. those That's even better. Yeah. Uh, and let the folks at home know if you want to follow your work, uh, maybe reach out to you for help, or uh, just check out uh, what you got going on. What's the best way to follow you?
1: Well, the website is www.surrender.biz, B-I-Z. There is a uh, way to sign up for my newsletter on there. Comes out every Monday with some great ideas for owners of growing multi-unit independent restaurant companies. And ton of content. Uh, also, it's easy to get through to my email. It's, through the website and we'd love to talk to anybody that's interested in what I've said that we can help or inspire, even if we can't help them, we can inspire them.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Again, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, to share your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. I feel unstoppable. Uh, Yes. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Matthew Mabel dropping bombs of knowledge all over the place. I think the big takeaways from today's conversation is know your lane. For Matthew, uh, you know, he, he's the clouds, He's a strategy guy. He's the big picture. He gets that clarity. And I think, honestly, the most successful people in this industry are those who have the big picture, who have the clarity, who know who they are, and they're good at seeing the strengths in other people, the the technical or the I think he called them the uh, tactical people or the technical people or the logistical people and then putting them in their place. And that's what you uh, heard from today's conversation. That's what made Matthew successful. And what makes many people successful in this industry, in my opinion, then also we can't overlook those four elements to success. So we went into detail uh, capability, opportunity, strategy and, and an atmosphere of trust. Uh, really great advice there. But the thing that I really, really loved about this conversation is the uh, the takeaway that uh, your restaurant's brand, your restaurant's culture is an extension of who you are. If you want to be successful in this industry, the journey starts with you and becoming a a specific type of person, uh, certain habits you need, certain values you need, certain disciplines you need. And before you develop these things, nobody on your team will develop them. And if they do have these things uh, and, and you're not operating at their level, they're just going to go someplace else to find people who are on their level. So great stuff today, guys. Like always, please do reach out to me, eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best search you. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable keep those five-star reviews on itunes and stitcher radio coming i'm also on spotify now so if that's your jam you can check me out over there and uh the mission of this podcast guys is to inspire empower and transform the industry we do that by sharing the stories knowledge values and in habits of the most incredible people out there. It's my job to get this knowledge and to share it with you. And I could really use your help by having you guys share it with the rest of the world. If you know of anybody who's aspiring to be great in this industry, put this podcast on their radar. You are the average of those you surround yourself with. And with Restaurant Unstoppable, you can surround yourself with the best. All right, that's all for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I do love you all. And until next time, Peace out.